My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, and welcome to Our Sunday School. I'm glad you're able to join us this morning. So welcome to those of you that are with us so far, and welcome to those of you that will watch this later on. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, uh, grab them and head over to uh, Mark chapter 8, if you would. It'd be great. And uh, we will get rolling with our uh, Sunday School lesson this morning. If you also want to grab uh, a copy of the handout, uh, you can do that also. Um, one of the things that I would love to see you do uh, today is... Um, sorry, I've got an error here on my is to head over to OurSundaySchool.com. I've made a couple changes to the uh, homepage, so you no longer have to go to the Read tab to get the handout for today. So all the handouts from last week and this week and next week, uh, I believe, uh, are all there at the homepage. Uh, you can also look and watch the, the video lesson or listen to the audio there as well. So just wanted to give you a heads up on that. Now, to start our lesson each week, we ask the question, what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark that we've studied so far? So I'll give you a couple of minutes to, to think through that and to respond. And I'll uh, greet some folks this morning. So the barbers are here. Uh, looks like Brian stopped in to say, hey, on his way to Saudi Daisy. Uh, the Landers, uh, Brittany's watching. Hey, Brittany. The Archers, Brian Willard. Good morning, Brian. And the Arnolds. Fantastic. So it's good to have you guys with us this morning. So as you know, we, we think through uh, several questions in our Sunday school, and uh, one of the things that we want to do is, uh, I apologize here, uh, this is what happens when I go too long without Dave Barber, uh, things fall apart, so there's that. Uh, one of the things that we want to make sure that we do is we stay very close to the text. So if you've, if you've got your copy of your ESV scripture journal, uh, I would encourage you to grab that, uh, as well as today's handout. Uh, it's probably going to be today's handout and next week's handout. So if it is, then the front page of OurSundaySchool.com is right. If it's not, I'll uh, post another file today. Uh, so if you would, uh, grab your Bibles and we'll read through Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Mark 8. <clears throat> In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, 
seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the four thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Seven. And he said to them, Do you not yet understand? And they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say, Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. All right, I see some others have joined us in the McGarvey's. Fantastic. Thank you for that post this morning, Sean. If you didn't see Sean's post on Facebook this morning, I'll sum it up very carefully. Love your neighbor, wear your mask. It's really simple. It's not any more complicated than that. This is an incredibly simple thing that we can do to actually love and show people that we love them. Uh, yes, good. I'm glad Dave misses me too. I get that feeling when he calls every couple of uh, days and we check in and touch base with each other. So it's fantastic. And uh, good morning from uh, North Carolina. I see the Gregs are there. So hello to uh, you guys in your church as well. So I'm glad you could be with us. So what is God doing uh, in you through his word from the portion of Mark that we've studied so far? 
Um, I continue to get emails and text messages and Facebook messages and all kinds of notifications from you guys throughout the week with answers to this question. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you what, what God is doing through me, uh, in me right now, um, in Mark chapter 8 specifically, is just reminding me once again of the beauty and the complexity of his scripture. Um, the, the way in which uh, there are so many things that are going on and Jesus never gets rattled, he never gets off message, he never sins, he never acts in a way that is um, inappropriate uh, toward man. He is always flawlessly, wonderfully beautiful in every situation. Um, so what God doing in me is just stirring up this love again for the, the magnificent Christ that we serve. It is a, uh, a beautiful picture, I think, here in Mark chapter 8 and lots of levels of complexity that are going on. And we'll kind of get into that as we go through Mark chapter 8. All right. So we've got the clicks here and uh, Barry Cole. Hey, good morning, guys. Glad you guys could be here. So uh, let's take a look at uh, what is going on in Mark chapter 8. So we're in verse uh, 14 today. Um, and verse, this text, uh, verses 14 through uh, 21, it, 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 I would argue it is impossible to understand this without understanding chapters 6, 7, and the first half of 8. Um, because you really have to have an understanding of the miracles Jesus has done, as well as who the Pharisees are and how they've been engaging. Otherwise, very little of this will make sense. And I think what we can probably see is that uh, very little of this made sense to the disciples as well in the moment. So we'll, we'll kind of walk through some of that as well. So I have in the uh, literary or structural observations, are there any here? He, Jesus is beginning to start to close this net with the disciples of who he is. There's a fisherman joke in there for you. Um, so verse 14, Julie's rolling her eyes on the couch, so must have been a good one. I can hear Barry Cole groaning from here. So now they had uh, forgotten. So this is the uh, actually the only time, shocking to me, uh, that this word uh, forgotten, I, I cannot pronounce this one. I've tried multiple times this week. It's just not going to happen. It's way too long. Uh, they had forgotten this, uh, they plural, uh, and this middle. So it's, it's, uh, it's this very odd uh, language that's used here. They had forgotten to bring bread. Now, if you think about what's just happened in chapter 6, where he feeds the 5,000, what's just happened in chapter uh, 8, where he feeds the uh, 4,000, right? Yeah, I got my numbers right. Um, and they've got all these baskets of leftover, baskets of leftover, baskets of leftover, and you might be asking, well, where'd all that food go? I don't know. Text doesn't say. You can guess. It's not healthy, but you can guess. But they didn't have it there with them on the boat. Right? They got on the boat, they're headed over to Dalmanutha, uh, across the Sea of Galilee, and they had forgotten to bring bread, which I, I just believe is one of the great, hilarious, ironic uh, juxtapositions in the entire Gospel of Mark, is that they have just watched him provide exponentially for thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And it, it, you, you, if they hadn't used the word forgotten, you almost could have gotten the idea that well, they didn't need to bring bread. Hey, Jesus is going to make it. They're just going to trust him for it. But that's not where they were. They had actually forgotten to bring bread. And they only had one loaf with them. So don't, don't miss the numbers here, right? Because remember back to uh, Mark chapter 8. I keep looking down because I've got my Bible over here. Um, look at verse 4 in Mark chapter 8. He says, And his disciples answered him, How can one... 
one, either a person or a thing, feed these people with bread here in this desolate place. And they've already seen him do this. Right? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that Jesus is the one that can do this. He's the only one that can do this. This is a beautiful, magnificent, loving act that Jesus does to provide for these thousands and likely tens of thousands of people. So they get in the boat, they've got one loaf of bread with them, which as we know from Jesus' ability to feed, that's plenty, right? It's absolutely plenty. If they brought none, he still could have fed them. All this was creation ex nihil, out of nothing anyway, so he, he absolutely could have done this. So they only had one loaf with them uh, in the boat. So this is the setting. So they've forgotten, they've got one loaf in the boat, they're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Here we go, verse 15. And he cautioned them, saying, now I, 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 wanna, I want you to read verse 14 again, because many times Jesus will respond to the disciples' input or query. It's not what he's doing here. He's watching them. Look at verse 14 again. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they only had one loaf with them in the boat. It doesn't say that they'd asked him a question yet. But he interjects. So verse 15, and he cautioned them. Now this word cautioned is an interesting word. We've seen it a couple of times before. Let's look back at Mark 5, 43. It's the first time it's used in Mark. Mark 5, 43. So this is right after he has healed, uh, raised Jairus' daughter. Um, I'm careful with my words there, Jessica. Verse 43, and he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. So that strictly charged is this cautioned them, this, this idea of uh, be careful about this. You, you, need to, you need to be very careful about how you use this information. Uh, and then we see it again in, verse, uh, in chapter 7, uh, in the end of chapter 7, verse 36, this is the uh, healing of the deaf man. He's telling the friends of the deaf man, the deaf man and his friends, Jesus charged them to tell no one. So we've seen this word used as a, as a keep this quiet kind of a concept so far in the Gospel of Mark. And we see it used one more time in, uh, after the usage in uh, chapter 8. This is after the transfiguration when uh, Peter, James, and John are up on the mountain with Jesus. Uh, verse 9, as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen. So the, the other three times this is used, this is about keeping something quiet in the Gospel of Mark that's not ready to be known yet. But this one, this one's just a little bit different. So he cautioned them saying, and this is present active participle, so he said it more than once. So he might have had to say it to get their attention. He might have had to say it just to, so for them to remember. He might have had to say it because we just need to be reminded. Because very rarely do we hear something one time and we've got it for life. And if you need case examples of this, I give you 12 in the Gospels, right? So he cautioned them saying over and over and over again, watch out. So that's that's one word. Um, this is harao. This is a, it's a present active imperative to stare at or to discern, to, to, to really to attend to or experience. So that's one, command to be repeatedly obeyed, watch out. And then the second is beware. And this is a blepo, this is to look at. So this is 
uh, be aware of it, kind of understand, have this awareness, but also be looking for, right? This is a, this is a warning to be actively aware about something. So this is the, your, uh, your radar goes up, you're sensitive to this, you're looking for it, you're concerned about it when you see it. Here we go. What, what's he saying for them to be worried about? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. What? Look at verse 14. Hang on. Now they had forgotten to bring bread and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. So what did they think their problem was? We know what they thought their problem was because you can go to verse 16 and they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. So, so get this. So they're aware they have only one loaf of bread. Jesus comes in and gives them two commands to focus on relative to the teaching, this leaven, this, uh, this uh, fermenting, rising agent, if you will, this thing that changes other things of the Pharisees and of Herod. And what do they do? They go back exactly to having the same conversation as before. So I want you to watch this. Here we go. This is what happens. Didn't even slow down when it was going over. They didn't get it. They absolutely, completely, and totally did not get it. So if you're a teacher and your students don't get it, what do you do? You circle back, <laughs> right? And you hit it again. And you get simpler and simpler and simpler and simpler until they get it. Now, up to this point in Mark's gospel, a lot of things have been done to keep the truth of who Jesus is in a very small circle of people. He'll heal somebody, people will understand he is different, and he'll tell them, keep this to yourself. Don't tell people. And the time is coming very soon in Mark's gospel when that switch is going to get flipped to go and tell. It's okay now. The word is out, right? That's coming. But right here, he says, watch out and beware of. So two active, present active imperatives, two commands to be repeatedly obeyed. So beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So you might be asking, what, what's that got to do with anything? All right. So remember when I told you, you needed to have an understanding of what's going on with the Pharisees. This this verse is one of the reasons I've been harping so much on the Pharisees as we've gone through Mark's gospel so far. What are the Pharisees about? The Pharisees are about rule keeping. The Pharisees are about uh, external religious righteousness. The Pharisees are about confronting everybody they don't think is living as morally as they are. The Pharisees are about being in charge. The Pharisees are about power and authority. The Pharisees are about if you look at Mark's gospel, hanging out with politicians who were also in power and authority like Herod was. And we looked at Herod in chapter six. Yep, in chapter six. And we saw what a weak, weak leader he was, right? He, he acted out of fear just constantly, constantly acting out of fear. I'm, I'm worried about what everybody in the, the party that I've thrown for myself is going to think about me. I'm worried about going back on my word in public. I'm, I'm worried about 
what these other people are doing. I'm, I'm worried about these insurrectionists. I'm worried. About, he's just worried constantly all the time. This, this gripping fear of losing power. And you, you peel back all these layers between the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And it's really about there's some type of a kernel of truth in there somewhere. Because the Pharisees actually cared about God's word. They just also cared about all the layers of crap that they added on top of it. Right? And, and you, you just have to peel all that back. And Herod cared about power and authority. He just cared about his, not about God's. Right? So you got it all mixed up. So the, the thing that Jesus is talking about here is that these, these um, leaven, these teachings, these philosophies, these ideologies, these approaches that the Pharisees and Herod have are like leaven to bread. And when you have a rising agent that you add into a mixture, it's never the same. You can't undo it. You can't go, well, I've mixed all that in. I've got to take it out now. No, it's a, it's a one-way approach. You can't just undo this. So Jesus is telling them, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees. Watch out for the leaven of Herod. And, and here's where I want to really zoom out because we spend a lot of time zoomed in looking at not just the forest, but the, the trees, and not just the trees, but the, the bark on the trees, right? I want to really zoom out because the bread that Jesus is using is more than just something that fills up people for that day. The bread is a metaphor in Mark's gospel about truth or about untruth. It's about things that are true, things that are false. And the, the teaching, the leaven that the Pharisees insert into what Jesus has been teaching could ruin everything. So think about it this way. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That the, the, the good news, the good message that in my sin, I can't please a holy God. But in Jesus's righteousness, he did. He lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, rose a perfect resurrection, ascended a perfect ascension, sits at the right hand of the Father today. Perfect. I can place my faith in Christ's finished work. That is good news for me. And if you add anything to that, if you say, well, I put my faith in Christ and I have to do these other things. No, 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 no. You just added leaven that ruins everything. It's no longer the gospel, which is one of the reasons why when you go and you start messing with the gospel, people that care about the scripture start to get really nervous and upset about this. Because when you change the gospel, you've changed everything. And what Jesus is saying here is look out. This word for watch out, this present active imperative, this command never stops. They are never to stop doing this. This staring at, this beware, this present active imperative, this never stops. They are never to stop doing this. They always have to be on guard for bad doctrine 
creeping in and going to change everything about the theology that Jesus is teaching. So here's my point. Just like Jonah is not about the whale, just like Nehemiah is not about the wall, Jesus feeding the 5,000, him feeding the 4,000 is not about the bread. This is a picture of that. Jesus is teaching the disciples and they get this lesson. Notice who is on the boat. Jesus and the disciples are on the boat. This is a small group, very limited number of people who get to peek behind the green curtain and see what is actually going on. And Jesus takes the time to do this because they need to know what he's really doing. And Mark chapter eight is the inflection point for all of Mark's gospel. Everything changes in Mark chapter eight. Up to this point, Jesus has not explicitly told them what his mission was. And later on in Mark chapter eight, he tells them. And what does Peter do after he tells them? Look look a little bit later on in Mark chapter eight, verse 31. Uh, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. I can't do that in one breath. I have to breathe it in that sentence. And he said this plainly. You see, you see how Mark is drawing this out that there's no, we're not covering this. We're not hiding this. It's not buried in a parable. It's just straight up clear. He said this plainly. And Peter took him aside. It's exhausting, right? Took him aside and began to rebuke him. And what does Jesus do? He says, get behind me, Satan. Because Jesus knows that if Peter thinks that he can take Jesus' teachings and tamp them down or change the messaging or change the message entirely, this is not going to go well. They don't get to mess with Jesus' message. And this is part of what he's communicating here. I am God, listen and do what I say. Any little bit of falsehood, any little bit of misunderstanding, any little bit of different kind of concepts that get buried into Jesus' teaching, change it. This is one of the reasons we have to stay so close to the text. He gave us a book of books. This is what we stick with. And I say this knowing that I am sitting in front of a very small library because I love to read. I love to engage with other thinkers and thought. And if you have spent any time examining the authors behind me, no doubt you have found some that you'd go, I wouldn't have that book in my house. It's not your house. Don't worry about it. It's okay. What Jesus is communicating is that they needed to know something and he's starting to pull them in to what he's really doing which is mind-boggling to me because he has sent them out on missions so far to do and to proclaim certain things. And Mark chapter eight implies they didn't really get it yet. They didn't really understand the big picture of what was going on, which to me is very instructive because one of the things that happens to us as believers sometimes is that we think, well, I can't go and serve and do that because I don't understand enough about this concept. You go read through the Gospels. You look at what Jesus asked the apostles to do before they fully understood everything. 
buck up and serve. There's plenty of opportunity. There's plenty of engagement. There's plenty of things for us to do before our understanding is full and complete. That's not a good excuse. So, back to verse 15. So Jesus answers, I'm sorry, Jesus interjects this statement. Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, there's a, uh, there's a, a superscript there, a footnote about um, this. Some manuscripts say the Herodians. And we know the Herodians were the, the group of people around Herod that kind of felt like Herod needs to stay in power because Herod's good to me and I like that. Not that we've <clears throat> ever experienced anything like that in the history of the United States at all. Somebody propping up a figure that was weak, who acted out of fear, and who had no... Yeah, I'm going to get in trouble here in a second. Uh, be very careful about who we align ourselves to politically. Okay. So verse 16, and they began discussing. <laughs> this is reckoning thoroughly. Good old, old school word. Deliberating with one another the fact that they had no bread. So again, right over their heads. They didn't get it. So what does a good teacher do? A good teacher circles back because that's exactly what verse 17 says. And Jesus aware of this. This is an active participle. He's aware of this. He's aware of everything. Everything. And this to me is one of the utterly mind-boggling things about God coming in flesh and engaging and walking amongst us that God wrapped human flesh around himself and lived while he was aware of everything. It's just, just don't miss these opportunities to worship the one, the only one, right? The one, Mark chapter eight, earlier Mark chapter eight, the only one who can do these things because of course he was aware. I wonder sometimes, you know, because Mark has the benefit of probably having written this sometime in the 50s. This would have been the early 30s uh, that these events actually occurred. So Mark's got the benefit of two decades of kind of familiarity with this concept of Jesus really did understand everything. I wonder when the Holy Spirit was breathing through him and he was writing this out, if you just kind of had to chuckle to himself, well, yeah, of course he was aware. Boy, we missed that, didn't we? Boy, we missed that, didn't we? Oh, we missed that too. Oh, we missed that too. But isn't he wonderful? Doesn't he love us still? Didn't he stick around? You know, at this point, at, at this point in Mark's gospel, you could, you could forgive Jesus if he said, boys, y'all are not the right stuff. I'm going to go get 12 more because you're just not it. You're not getting it. You're too thick-headed. It's just, it's not going to work. And he doesn't do that because it's not about the disciples. It's about God. It's about what God can do through those who place their faith in Jesus Christ. That's the message of the good news of the gospel. That's the outcome of the message of the good news of the gospel. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why are you all discussing the fact that you have no bread? <laughs> Again, 
looping them around. You, I, I would argue that you could take Mark chapter six, seven, and eight and develop a relatively robust philosophy of parenting. Like it's it's really quite impressive. I, I might actually show uh, Bloom's taxonomy of learning next week in our uh, PowerPoint just to see. You know, they're still down here at the the very, very base. He's trying to get them just a couple levels up of understanding and engagement. And they're just, they just don't want to go. They just want to stare at the bread, right? It's the same thing with us. What do we do? We read the Bible and we want to go chase these rabbits that don't mean anything. When we can step back and see the magnificence of the Savior, who this thing is all about, right? So why are you still discussing, the, or why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? And then we get into this, do you not yet perceive or understand? So you're starting to, you're starting to bring the hammer down just a little bit here. Not hard, not hard yet. He's going to do that later in Mark chapter 8, but not, not too hard right here. Do you not yet perceive or... Ex- <laughs> um. You could translate this another way. Are you not thinking? Are you not using your brain? Have you ever heard a a parent tell a a child who is trying to struggle to get something out, use your words, use your words. Well, this is is Jesus saying, use your brain, use your brain, right? Uh, Do you not yet perceive or understand? And understand is a a bit more complex. The, the, The exercising the mind is just the, the, the perceiving is just the exercising of the mind. Are, are, you, are, you in, are you with me here? Are you on? Right? Sometimes a, a teacher has to do something to wake students up and get their engagement level. So if there are any kids that are watching this right now, most of them just did that because I did something that engages more than just one sense. So do you not yet have your brain engaged or do you not yet understand? Have you not yet put these things together? Jesus is telling them through his specific word choice that there are things that have to be put together. And if you put them together in the wrong way, you don't get Jesus's teachings. You get something else. So do you not yet perceive or understand? And then he asks this really penetrating question. Are your hearts hardened? Now, I want to pause here because we're going to stop there today. But I want to bring you back to something that happened way back in the Old Testament. It could have been one of the earliest books written in the Old Testament, the book of Job. And I want you to go back and I want you to read the last couple of chapters of the book of Job this week. And I want you to be reminded of the character of God and how God is patient to bring us to understand him and what he is doing. And it's usually through questions. It's through either a clear proclamation of truth or through a set of questions. There's two of the primary ways that God uses uh, the, the, the thing that he uses, that the Holy Spirit then uses to work inside of us to understand. But this series of questions that Jesus asked them here, is, it's not just one question. It's question after question after question after question. And it reminds me of going back and looking at those questions in Job. And, and what, do you, what conclusion do you come to 
after you've read through those questions in Job. So I want to, I'll stop there and we'll take a breath because this is a lot. This is kind of the heavy part of this lesson. Um, from a text perspective, the, the words aren't overly complicated. The, the grammar is a bit uh, clunky here or there. Mark, Mark's not a, Mark's not uh, Paul, right? I mean, Paul's this finesse and beautiful. Uh, Mark's grammar is far more like First uh, and Second Peter. It's just a little rough around the edges and hard to understand at times. Um, but but this set of questions is something that we should uh, consider before we go forward. So I, I wanted to break here. We'll pick up, Lord willing, next week uh, in the middle of uh, verse 17, and we'll go from there. So um, if you would, what I will do is I'll say if you'd like to subscribe to any of our uh, podcast, our weekly email, or our YouTube, which is really just a summary of what's going on here, uh, you can do so at OurSundaySchool.com. Uh, if you want to be a member of Our Sunday School, you can also go to OurSundaySchool.com and click on the uh, About Us tab. Uh, I've made a couple of revisions to the website on just about every page this week to try to make some things cleaner and clearer. Um, I believe this week I'm going to have an opportunity to try to rearrange that awful read page. There's just, it's it's unwieldy at this point. Um, so if you've got suggestions on it, I'd love to hear it. But I've got a couple uh, ideas and uh, be trying to fix that up just a little bit. Uh, and then if you would, before uh, 10 o'clock, head over to Stuart Heights' Facebook page, uh, YouTube, or uh, website. And uh, you, I think Brian is speaking at the Saudi Daisy campus this morning. So uh, if you want to watch him at 10 o'clock or uh, another one of our pastors at the Chattanooga campus at 11, you can. Uh, but write in the comments any uh, uh, your prayer requests, and then lean in, engage, and pray for somebody that is not with you. And really soak on these questions this week. These questions in 17 and 18 are helpful, introspective, meditative, contemplative, uh, repentance-generating type of questions. And it's good and healthy for us to do that. So until I see you again, uh, hopefully, Lord willing, I'll see you next week here. And uh, God bless you. I love you guys, and I'm praying for you every day. See you. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.